Now the answer right here that I'm getting at, when a prospect says a price is too high, you ask the question, are you talking about price or cost? See, price is a one-time thing. Cost is an ongoing uh, thing. Welcome to The Ziegler Show, where we inspire your true performance. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. If you have a product, service, or message you believe is worth more than just the lowest price, you'll want to hear this message. We hear from Zig Ziglar about the difference in price versus cost. From his message, I posted our weekly Facebook question at my Agent K. Miller Facebook page, where I invite you to join in. Here's a question. For those of you involved in providing a premium product or service, meaning not just selling on the cheapest price, how do you sell the higher cost value? Well, I had Michelle Prince join me to talk through the comments as she spends so much of her time helping authors differentiate their books and offer them in a compelling way. We got many great replies, of course. So you will, I think most everybody listening is going to get something of value for what they want to offer, what you want to offer, or what you're already offering from this show. Before we hear Zig's message, that will start us off. I have some valuable resources for you. Okay, friends, here then is a, about a two and a half minute message from Zig Ziglar. He said, you make the sale when the prospect understands that it will cost him more to do nothing about the problem than to do something about the problem. Well, many years ago when my son was five or six years old, he wanted a bicycle. So we went bicycle shopping. Now, this is where you get your talking pad out. And uh, we went down and we looked at the quality bike and the price. Now, this was a number of years ago. It was about 30 years ago. Uh, the bicycle, the quality bicycle cost $64.95. Well, for a kid just learning how to ride a bicycle, you're going to bang it up anyhow. You're not going to spend that much money. So we did the prudent thing, quote. We went down and uh, bought the cheap bicycle for $34.95. Well, about uh, three weeks later, he had uh, fallen a few times and the handlebars broke. Fortunately, they were still in warranty. We went down and they uh, gave us new handlebars. A couple of months later, uh, he fell too many more times and the handlebars broke again and the warranty was out. So we invested $4 and a half in the new handlebars. A couple of months after that, the sprocket and all of those little gears and chains and stuff, it uh, went out. They told us it'd be $15. Well, at that point, we threw in the towel. We had, uh, for him riding that bicycle, six months. Uh, it had cost us $54.45 and $9 a month. Now, the answer right here that I'm getting at, when a Prospect says the price is too high. You ask the question, are you talking about price or cost? See, price is a one-time thing. Cost is an ongoing uh, thing. We then went down and bought that quality bicycle. And it was one of those with the handlebars that you could raise way up. They call them dirt bikes. And I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember when they had those little dirt bikes out. But he rode that bicycle until he was 15 years old. Didn't ride it as much, but he kept riding that bicycle. The only other expense we ever had on it was to buy a couple of new tires. And that had nothing to do with the quality of the bicycle. And as I diagram this to you, when you're doing this, you need to diagram with your prospect. So in other words, the quality bike costs $6 and a half a year, uh, the cheap bike cost us $9 a month. Mr. Prospect, are you interested in price 
Are you interested in cost? Now, many companies can beat us on price. Nobody's going to beat us on cost. Well, there you go. So again, from that message we asked on Facebook, for those of you involved in providing a premium product or service, meaning not just selling on the cheapest price, how do you sell the higher cost value? Well, here then Michelle Prince and I talk through your comments. Okay, Michelle, well, I was eager to do this Q&A on selling a premium product in essence with you because I know you spend so much time helping people with books, uh, book publishing, you know, businesses overall, but a lot with books. And that is one where there's such a focus, obviously, on why read this? They do, people do judge a book by its cover. And what's the value in here? What's the, the USP, the unique selling proposition and, and on and on. But I know that this is, uh, it's, maybe you have a heightened awareness of this. And so I thought you're going to, you're going to be able to dial in on this topic with me. Oh, for sure. I've been in sales most of my life. In fact, I started in sales working for Zig um, and then I went different directions. But for, you know, on the book front, absolutely. The value has to be there. And so many times we start with, you know, what we want or what we're trying to, to get across. But really, it's, it's figuring out, well, what does somebody else want and what, how can you provide that value? Yes. Well, that's what I want us to hone in today. we got some great comments here uh, on Facebook. So we'll dive in and uh, see what we think here. All right, Scott Priestley, he says, I built a brand that's on the premium side of affordable. I track competitors' pricing and trend about 15 to 20% higher. Uh, it's impressive. He knows those percentages that detailed. Mm-hmm. Since most of my sales are via e-commerce, I've built my branding and messaging with an upscale consumer in mind. My designs are elegant and minimalist. I use product descriptions to sell the experience or the feeling associated with my jewelry as opposed to the specs. It's an emotional purchase, not a practical one. I know that reclaimed silver and gold is important to my ideal customer, as is conflict-free diamonds and ethically sourced gems and stones. I use our story page to highlight the value and craftsmanship. And he, he uh, that was so great. I'm going to give his, his website because he put it down here. It's Silver Bear Jewelry CO, so company, silverbearjewelryco.com. Okay, right off the bat, reading that, I think he's nailing it. He's absolutely nailing it. First of all, he knows his audience. He knows his, in, in the world of sales, we call them avatars, but he knows basically who who will benefit most from his jewelry. He has it pinpointed down um, and then creates the design and the experience, the, the, the selling experience around attracting those kinds of people. So that's huge. And that's a great uh, example of somebody that really knows what they're doing. What his, his mentioning the emotional purchase. I think that's the Love one that. it is. And so, yeah, like you, Michelle, I have been involved in sales my entire life since being a kid. And yet I still today, no, I've got a business that we're working on today and I still tend to come at it logically and I mm-hmm. have to come back. Okay. Stop. Come back. We've been talking about story brand a lot, uh, which is Donald Miller, his, his yes. book. Yeah. And coming back to story, which we've got another one coming up here and he talks about story. We'll, we'll get into that. But yeah, it's an emotional purchase. This is not logical for most people, especially on the premium side. Obviously, I don't know that my purchase of toilet paper is an emotional purchase. Uh, just make sure it's two ply <laughs> and whatever. Uh, okay. So some are that, but that's why we're talking about the premium products. I think that's a big one that we are talking 
emotions. And yet we have to, I have to put myself in, I have to put that helmet on. I, cause mm-hmm. I don't, I don't come there. And I don't know if that's a, maybe that differs, Michelle, if we're talking to entrepreneurs out there, people selling stuff out there that it may depend somewhat on your personality type. My wife is a much more emotive person. She thinks that way and she tends to communicate that way. I do not. So maybe this is an issue of the emotional cell and catering to that. That's going to be a little more dependent on your personality style, whether you really have to put that helmet on or you already got it on. Well, and and it could be that you're more logical. So you need more detail to convince you that this is maybe the right product or service. But ultimately, I think we do buy on emotion Mm -hmm. because think about it. You know, I'm in the world of books and seminars and speaking and all that. And, and you know, while I have a seminar that I'm trying to, you know, sell that to for people to buy a ticket to, you know, the, to Bookbound, nobody wants to buy a seminar seat. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to buy a seminar ticket. They want to buy the value they get by purchasing or coming to an Amen. event. Amen. Um, nobody wants to buy coaching. They want to get the benefits of how to be more successful in their personal life, their professional life, how to make more sales, those kinds of things. So I feel like, or I see, I don't feel like, I see people that are really, really successful in their craft and what they're doing is they're selling the emotional benefit. They're selling what you're going to get out of it. You're going to get the feeling of, of, you know, freedom or security or happiness or joy or better relationships. And they're not selling the actual widget. Yes. Well, so let's talk about, well, you know what? So, cause Scott talks about how much he uses his story page. The next one we have here is, uh, Eric Hazelhorst. Uh, he says, I think about the story my clients tell their friends about the thing they buy, uh, from me when they see a model. And now I know, uh, Eric's business. He has a business where he does, let me see if I can say this right. Think about, think about, uh, the, the Midwest and agriculture and farming and stuff. So he has, literal replicas, small replicas of all the farm machinery. Uh, and it's handmade, really detailed. He's got unique, he's been doing it for many years with great success. So he says, when they see a model I made for them, I want them to step back in time and recall a period of their life that they love. That's how I charge premium. So that's a big part of his. So along with when you're buying this uh, replica of a combine, it's on a web page with the real combine. It might have a video and it talks about that. He's trying to bring people who have that experience that story as part of life and bring them back into it, which I can't, I was a kid who grew up uh, going to my grandparents, my uncle farms. I got to drive the tractor as a little kid and, and uh, with the, the hay baler, uh, whatever the rake deal on yep. it. And so I, man, I can see it, I can smell it. And so he is, he is selling that, you know, experience. And so when you talk about the emotions you know, that we have taking people into a story and I, you know, I think it's really a good part to, you know, we all want to think that our product or service is super unique and I don't think we can sell it. It's the only one on the planet uh, of its kind these days. Everybody's going to think, uh, if it's not true, they're going to think still that there's another option out there. And so the emotional attachment to, are we a brand that somebody wants to align their personal image with? I am so aware of that because one, I'm involved in selling that and two, I'm a consumer and sometimes I step back and go, why do I buy that? I think that I'm rational, but I am not. I bought that. I have Apple stuff. Do I really think that they're the best? I don't know, but they sold me on the image. And so they've got tens of thousands of my dollars. <laughs> so true. So true. Uh, same here. 
Uh, one thing, Eric, though, I, I have to say, you, you know, that is such a niche market, mm-hmm. right? You know, not not the whole world does not know much about farm machinery. I'm one of them. I grew up, you know, in Chicago and on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. So I, that I'm not his, but I'm not his avatar. I'm not his um, his person who would who would buy it. But he knows his audience, and that's huge. And recreating that experience, like you said, takes you right back. Now, do you need in life a model? you know, of, of farm equipment, maybe, maybe not, but it's that emotion that brings you back there. Um, one thing you just said, Kevin, I really liked is aligning with a brand, you know, aligning what, what that means is basically that, that you're on board with them. That's something that whenever I, I work with speakers and help them to be better speakers, I say, create a movement, you know, don't just be a speaker, but come up with a movement. And the same should be for whatever we're, we're, we're selling, right? Create something behind it that people can get on board with that not only do they feel good about the product, but they feel good about the, the, you know, the mission. Great example would be Tom's shoes. You know, they, they've been around a long time, but when they started with every shoe, a uh, pair of shoe that they bought, I believe they sent another pair mm-hmm. to another part of the world. And people got on board. You know, did they really need those shoes? Yeah, they're cute and all, but but no, they have many, many, many other options in shoes. Um, but they were in the grocery store, and you know, why not if it's going to be for a good cause? So I like that you said that because I think that's a huge part of of marketing and branding and and presenting our product and our service is what can people get on board with that they believe in? Uh, absolutely. So all the the Super Bowl, this last Super Bowl was uh, we don't have TV, but they aired it just online. So we actually watched it and I was paying attention, of course, to the ads. And yes. on one hand, I was highly critical. I was saying, see kids, do you see that ad? What was the product that they were trying to sell? And you know, if they could even re- re- recall that, I said, what did they tell you about the product? 95% of them, they told you zero zip about mm-hmm. the product, the car, the whatever. They didn't tell you anything about the actual thing. They just showcased an image. So to some degree, I get irritated at that. And yet I also have to look at it and go, that is what our marketplace is buying from. So if I don't play that game, I'm shooting myself in the foot. I know a lot of people in business who are irritated at that same thing. They don't want to, they want to, they have integrity and they, they have a valuable thing and they're going out here trying to push that. And yet they're getting beat out by a lesser product because they're not playing the image game. I think we can do both. We have to do both. We have to, uh, you know, the, the long-term sales are going to come from having real quality, real value, but that initial sale, we just have to realize is so much image. So, and I have, I have broken my skull on the rock of that reality so many times because I want I want to sell true value. I want mm-hmm. to have an honest, uh, you know, a product and service with integrity. And I've gone out there and tried to sell what people need as opposed mm-hmm. to first leading what they with what they want so that I can give them what they need. So I have a product right now that everybody will hear about in the coming months when it comes out and we are playing the image game at a big mm-hmm. level. We sure are. Now I think it is the best product that will serve everybody and save the planet. But if I don't, tie it to a good image people want to associate with. I'm not going to sell one of them. So that's so true. It's, it's frustrating. You can say it's unfortunate, but it is. So mm-hmm. there we but are. It's the way it's the way we buy and, and the emotional purchase, you know, like Scott said is, is right on target. We do buy with emotions. Well, and like you with the books that people do judge a book by its cover and how many brilliant anointed, uh, life-saving books have died because they had a yes. crappy cover. It's tragic, but it just, it is. 
It is. It's how you present yourself, how you sell yourself. It is, you know, Zig always said, you know, we're, we're all in sales. And in the beginning, yeah. when I first had my, when I first graduated college, I thought, I don't want to be a salesperson, you know, and then I got a job working in sales for Zig. And I, I understood though, that we are all in sales. So whether or not you're selling a product or a service, which many, many of us are, but guess what? We are selling ourselves every single day, every single moment, no matter what we do, how we present ourselves, how we hold ourselves, how, what we believe about ourselves, we're selling ourselves. Either we're selling us in a good way or we're selling ourselves short. Um, but sales is so important to get a hold of all this. So I'm so glad we're talking about this subject. I, me too. All right. Well, hey, Jennifer here says, you get what you pay for. If you're going to buy my product, which is the highest price in the industry, it's because you want the best location in the world, along with the best service, flexibility, and long-term protection of your asset. Address the mistakes people make when they try to cut corners and what is sacrificed when they do that. Uh, take it away from them. If they can't afford to buy it the way it was intended to be sold, don't buy it at all. Well, so folks, as you just heard Zig's message, she is attesting to that price versus cost uh, mm -hmm. aspect. Here's the price. What's the cost? That is one I, again, I've learned that the hard way. I am an admitted cheapskate and I'll buy something. There, there's things that I have in the past and now, and I am no longer going to buy the cheapest thing that I have to replace that I have to mess with. And I think we all have those areas or some things where we're going to buy for, you know, just the lowest price thing. Let's go back to the toilet paper. Well, maybe I'm the only guy, maybe everybody else gets premium <laughs> toilet paper, whatever that is. But, uh, you know, price versus cost. That's great. So when she says address the mistakes people make when they try to cut corners, again, that's what Zig talked about. That's a, that's a great way to do it. Say, Hey, here's the, you know, you could buy a cheaper product. This is what you will probably have happen when you buy uh premium, which I've got a saddleback leather, backpack, uh, kind of briefcase thing that I've had their tagline is, uh, they'll fight over it when you're dead. Uh, mm. they have a hundred year guarantee. I mean, they are selling premium and they're putting the image behind that. And, uh, the, the guy who founded the, the company, Dave Munson has a great video, hilarious video of the knockoffs and what you can mm. expect with the knockoffs. Uh, but it's great because it puts it right in front. You can go buy the, he makes you feel really inferior if you go buy anything else. He does a brilliant job at it. That's brilliant because, you know, one of the, when you were just telling that story, it made me think of two uh, or two or three brands that actually are so good at doing this. Um, first one that comes to mind is Ritz Carlton hotel chain. Mm -hmm. You know, if you are going to any city, you have the option of staying at the Ritz Carlton or really, you know, a hotel is really just a bed, a sink, a shower, um, you know, a couple other things here and there, but technically, logically, you are getting the same night's sleep, technically, uh, at a Motel 6 as you would a Ritz-Carlton. But the image that they make you, you know, you you are pay paying high, high, high premium dollar to stay at their place, but it's that experience. It's that, you know, you're, you're you know, that feeling you get of like, oh, this is, this is um, a very high-end type of an experience. And, and we want that, right? Um, Zig, I think has always told the, or has said the story about the different types of cars, right? I mean, at the end of the day, when we went, go to buy a car, we need uh, a vehicle that has four wheels an engine, maybe some air conditioning, <laughs> you know, and to get us from point A to point B, we can very easily do that with the lowest end, uh, mm -hmm. make of a car, or we can do that with a Mercedes. And somehow, you know, we are sold on that experience of, of a higher end, uh, automobile when, when technically, logically we get the same product, mm -hmm. 
but just maybe not as nice. But I don't know. As you were saying that with the experience, it's it's some oh, I'm, companies I'm are smiling. so good at doing it. Yeah, I'm smiling because I'm thinking of personal, you know, personal stories of stuff again that I'm a consumer with. My wife, we have we have big we have big trucks. We have a, a big suburban. We have a big passenger van, all wheel drive. Uh, you know, for our huge family up here in the mountains, but there's these big cars. And at some point she just got tired of it. She says, I am bought buying the smallest car I can possibly buy with as many, as much seating. Cause we still have to have that. But, uh, she ended up buying a Mazda CR nine or CX nine or something like that. Seat seven people. And it's, it's pretty small, but their advertising, anybody knows Mazda's advertising. It's zoom, zoom. They talk about that. She cites that because our big old lumbering trucks and hers is zoom, zoom. So she'll get in there and she'll, you know, bolt through traffic or something. And she'll actually say that with a giggle, zoom, zoom. I mean, they <laughs> got her with that, with that thing. And then I love you talking about the hotel stuff. Uh, luxury things we do. My wife and I do a lot of getaways. We're getting ready to go to mm-hmm. one and we have done a lot between Hyatt and Hilton. So here's just uh, uh free advertising. I guess Hyatt's gotten us. They have gotten us mm-hmm. with service, with customer yes. service and very similar hotels in the style, in the, the premium quality in the offerings. Uh, and yet the one has, has consistently beat out the other mm-hmm. with service, with the little things. And they have made us feel with pride that we are a Hyatt person and we spend way too much money there. And they give us the rewards that are, you know, pennies on the dollar, I'm sure. But man, they've done it. They have <laughs> yes. played the game well. And I'm there spending my money because I think I'm logical. And uh, that's a lie. So It's emotional. It's emotional. <laughs> it's emotional. It's emotional. And thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show. All right. Well, Terry Johnson here says, uh, I am in the life insurance profession. Uh, I tell personal claim stories, events that have happened in my family. We lost it all when my dad died at 43 at the house, our family business, as well as client claim stories that I've been involved in. It shifts the focus from suspicious of insurance companies and suspicious of me and places the prospect in an emotive world where their focus shifts from price and product to the why. It's an intangible product. And as such, storytelling is the best way to get prospects to understand and appreciate the reality of what can happen without insurance. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to throw this right at you, Michelle, because we're, we're talking about the power of emotion. We're talking about the power of storytelling. It's interesting that this thread came out because this is just authentic right off mm-hmm. Facebook folks here. I didn't preface uh, the question with anything regarding this. I just said, how do you sell your premium product? And we've got emotion and storytelling over and over and over. Yes. But this one I like because it is a personal story. So we get the idea of story and I am prone uh, sometimes in my marketing stuff to use other people's stories. And yet I'm hearing the value and I know it as I think back through my own experiences, when somebody who is selling something gives you their personal testimony of why they are involved with this product or service, because they believe in it, that is dramatically convicting. And that's what Terry's talking about. And I know that with you in your book writing that you're so big on, well, that's your line. Everybody has a story, their Mm -hmm. story, and that that's the power. Mm-hmm. Because we get inspired by stories. We, at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're all the same. We're different, but we're technically all the same. And, but so if somebody has experienced something good or bad that we can learn from, be inspired from, you know, we connect with them more. When you know the backstory, you just connect. That's why Zig was so, so loved, I believe. He told stories and he didn't just talk about his success. He talked about the bad stuff too. And it just made him authentic and real. 
And so what Terry's saying is she's just telling real stories of, you know, these are people that, that were in a horrible situation that were stuck. Um, I think with insurance, that is such an emotional buy because really nobody is looking at their checkbook saying, you know what, I want to buy an insurance premium today. You know, <laughs> nobody yeah. is thinking, or I want to pay this every single month. I just can't wait. No, but what you're paying for is, you know, the thought of if something were to happen to you, what if your family would be left, you know, with nothing? Mm -hmm. What if um, your house burned down and you had nowhere? So it's that it's all emotion. And especially in that industry, because again, nobody really wants to buy that, but they do it out of an emotion. And sometimes that's a fearful emotion. Well, yeah, I gosh. And that's, yeah, with insurance, absolutely. That is a fear, a fear Mm -hmm. sale, which is, is, uh, is difficult. Now, I think the, I'm with you, the personal story in that regard is possibly the, the most valuable testimony that we can have when you're selling that thing that has saved your life. And we have so many people who have gotten into, you know, it reminds me, you talked about, you never wanted to be in sales necessarily. And, uh, my, my primary business partner, one of the things he said as a, as an early doctor is he never wants to be a businessman. And now mm-hmm. he's more businessman than doctor. But it's interesting that we find people falling in that when you have something you care about, you have to engage in those things, in sales, in business, even though you may not care to be. I don't know that I take pride in being a businessman. I, I, I just want to pur- be a purveyor of quality things, of things that I believe in. And by proxy, then you have to be a business person and you have to sell. And it's interesting hearing these stories. It totally is. And, and, you know, it's funny because there are people like I was saying, I don't want to be in sales yeah. or I don't want to be a businessman or because we put kind of a negative uh, connotation to it. But if you think of it this way, that storytelling is what pastors do, right? Yeah. It's what people who are doing good things are doing, not necessarily to to make a dollar, but really storytelling sales. It's it's influence. It's sharing something yes. that, you know, sharing an expen- experience that you have. Zig always said sales was a transference of feeling. It's so if you believe in it, if you love it, you're going to be more likely to tell other people about it. And perfect example, just today, actually, I texted one of my, my, girl, my girlfriends and I need my haircut and I needed a new, I needed to find someone new. And, and she always raved about the person where she goes. And so that feeling, she passed that on to me, which makes me now want to go do business yeah. with this particular lady. So it's just, um, it's not just sales. It's really just sharing your story to influence others in a positive way. Amen. There's Zig right there. Uh, all right. Well, here's one from Jesse Cole. Now I gotta, I gotta tell everybody, uh, I was in San Diego at the social media marketing world conference. Gosh, four months ago, maybe. And I met Jesse. He is the guy in yellow. So I'm going to give a bad paraphrase here, but my, my intent is to have Jesse on the show at some point as a guest. Uh, it's a guy I can't re- I don't remember his backstory. Uh, we'll get that from him, but there is, he's, oh, he's in the, it's like North Carolina, Virginia, some, some area where they had an ailing baseball team. The stands were empty. People weren't coming. And he came in with entertainment and turned that thing, that, that entity around that baseball team around. They are now packed, sold out every single game, but it has impacted the entire community in a massive way. Jesse's now written a book and everybody knows him and he goes everywhere in yellow. Literally he has yellow suits, bright yellow suits that he wears to everything. Jesse Cole. Uh, I don't even have his website here, so we'll, we'll get him on here, but he said, 
for us, uh, it was in building in building fans first entertainment. So he's taken it beyond just the, the baseball team, but fans first entertainment. It's all about our brand going above and beyond in value and going all out to provide the best fan experience. Then combining that with our sell out mentality by building demand where people miss out on a lot of our games because they all sell out price becomes a non-issue, but it's only sustainable if we continue to go all out and invest in the fan experience. We've also committed to never putting anything on sale or discounting. The price is what it is. And we work to show the value every day. Mm. Well, what he has done, and it, and again, I'm I'm paraphrasing some stuff because I I don't know the whole story. We're gonna get it. We're gonna get it here. Uh, my dad, Dan Miller, told me we've got to have this guy on the show. Uh, but it reminds me of we've recently watched uh, as a family, The Greatest Showman. Mm, love that movie. In, incredible, incredible movie. Uh, I was the last one to see it, and we watched it. We bought it and watched it two two nights in a row. Uh, and now listen to the songs every time we're in the car. Cause that's what the kids want to listen to. Yeah. Great songs. Though. I've about heard them enough at this point. Uh, but that one as a show, it's a circus. We think of the circus, ah, uh, you know, it's animals and, and hoops and whatever. And yet it was, it's a show. That's the point. That's what Jesse did here, which goes again, back to the emotion goes back to the experience, goes back to the Super Bowl ads of it. What he's made, he made, I know that enough of the story that he made the event. It's not, all about baseball. There's a lot of people going there that don't give a rip about baseball. It is a show, which to a degree, that's what it all is. When we're watching the football game. We're not watching sports. We are getting in it. We are sitting there mm-hmm. entertained with a smile on our face, uh, adrenaline going through us and, you know, popcorn and whatever we're eating. It's we're there for entertainment and fun. And I think for a lot of us to realize that if we can put that experience in, uh, in any way. I mean, this whole thing came from Zig mm-hmm. talking about buying a car. And I, for years have used the experience of, of, of poor or, or the, the analogy of a Porsche. Nobody buys a Porsche because it has this much horsepower. It has the finest leather seats. It has X, Y, Z details. They do it to look really stinking <laughs> cool. Cause most of them are driving along with the rest of us at 10 miles an hour in, in back to back traffic. We're, mm-hmm. we're not going 200 miles an hour anywhere ever. We're doing yeah. it because of how it makes us feel. Uh, anyways, experience is what came out of it for me, the experience. Well, with, and I just want to extend on what Jesse was saying about the fan experience, how important that is. Obviously he, he knows this. Do you know who does this better than any, any brand in the world hmm. is, uh, and we all know this Disney, mm. Disney, oh my gosh, yeah. Disney is an amusement park. I mean, let's be real. You could go to any big city in the United States and ride a roller coaster or ride rides or go on a merry-go-round. Right. But what they're, what, what you get through Disney is this experience. And, and it's, it's almost like a cult following. I mean, this is where people go over and over and over and over and over again because of how they feel when they're there. I can't remember what it was, but I remember years ago, and then maybe they still have it, but they had a slogan that was along the lines of, you know, feeling like a kid again, or mm. um, I forget how it was, but, but that's, that is what happens when you go to Disney, no matter who you are, no matter if you've been there before or not, you just immediately feel something and we want to recreate that. And they have created the fan experience like no other brand I've ever seen. I, I agree. I agree. So I was uh, looking over there on my bookshelf. Uh, I don't know what number it is right off there, but folks, if you go back, we did a show, I think it was this year, 2018 with Lee Cockerell. Uh, he has a book creating, he has a few books, but creating magic based on the principles taught at the world renowned Disney uh, Institute. And so he was executive vice president of Disney, 40,000 employees and however many resort communities and whatever. 
Uh, but it was an incredible hearing him talk about, cause yeah, you're right. They live and breathe mm-hmm. on that experience, creating magic. That's the book. I mean, that's what they do. I mean, just one little example of that is, uh, they don't call their, their people that work their employees. They call them, I believe it's cast members. I think you're right. Thank you. Yeah. Right. It's cast members. So that again, it's, it's an experience. It's a show. It's a, it's, it's, yep. it's, yeah, it's pretty awesome. That's incredible. <laughs> I am looking at the book here. I think you're right. I think it's cast members, which is brilliant. Um, well, hey, here, so here's a, a little bit of a, of a change of pace of where we've been in, but it's really interesting. Frank Bodner, he says, we sell guaranteed e- uh, efficacy. You pay more, but we also offer a money-back guarantee if it doesn't work. We run our own labs and specs and don't just rely on our vendors. The most expensive product is the one that doesn't work. Cra- I haven't heard that line before or, or, or for a while. I have heard it before. The most expensive product is the one that doesn't work. Don't we all know that? Haven't we all bought something and we decided to, ah, I'm going to buy the cheaper one. We get it. And then, well, again, that goes back to the story uh, here, Michelle, that Zig talked about. It was with uh, Tom Ziegler buying a bike as a little kid. They bought the cheaper one. They had to have it repaired three or four times and uh, ultimately ditched it, went and bought the more expensive one that lasted for a decade or, or more, something like that. And, uh, yeah, that's so, that's so much the case, but what Frank talks about, and I don't know what business he's talking about. And he mentions labs and specs, but the one that I, that I thought about, so we have a medical practice that I'm partner in and we do a lot of nutritional supplement sales. And so we work with the top vendors, top manufacturers, but there's one and we buy a lot of their stuff. Do I think that they, do we think that they are the absolute best? They have the best product. I mean, it's, it's really hard for anybody to make that claim within that mm-hmm. arena, but they have a money back guarantee. They really do. So we can, what it allows us to do is say, Hey, for a patient, Hey, we think you should try X, Y, Z product. Let's try it. And that's the whole thing with nutritional supplements, vitamins, whatever is, is it really going to make any difference or is it going to bother me adver- adversely well, with this? If it does bring it back here, you get a money back guarantee. It really is a big deal here. And that seems like a small thing. I think we have a lot of people say that, you know, and in the electronic information uh, arena, it's a little, uh, it's a little less tangible than that. But man, I love that. It's one of the reasons I am a big Amazon prime customer mm-hmm. because using Amazon prime, their return option is so easy and so seamless. It gives me confidence and I'm willing to buy more things that I otherwise would not. So here's just a a one piece of money back guarantee that, um, is powerful. I mean, it really is. It's longstanding thing that has been out there, but powerful. You know, one brand that comes to mind regarding that is Jansport. They, they create, they make backpacks, great Mm -hmm. backpacks, and they have a guarantee that if ever in the lifetime of that backpack, something happens, whether it gets a hole or a rip or something like that, you send it back and they will send you a brand new one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my son has had Jansport backpacks um, all through middle school and now all through high school. And on two different occasions, um, they ripped uh-huh. and, you know, or got a hole in it or whatever. And both times we sent it back and, and no questions asked immediately sent a replacement. Wow. And I tell you what, we will be a customer for life yeah. <laughs> because of that. And, you know, and we keep buying new ones. It's not like that guarantee prevents them from making more sales because we keep buying new ones, you know, cause he wants a new color or a new size or something like that. But it's, it's a powerful selling point because we feel that confidence in knowing that, Hey, even if this doesn't end up working out, and yes, it's a little bit more expensive than the backpack at Target or something like that, but it's worth it because we can always replace it. Absolutely. And that is one of those things that we don't conceptualize enough. We think about the cost of replacing something, the cost of a returned item in our businesses. 
And if we don't make that easy and yeah, companies like that, they're going to sell 10 to one, uh, mm-hmm. more by giving that option. Uh, yeah, that's a great one folks for you to look at um, a money back guarantee. Take, take the risk away from people. Uh, well, Hey, I'm going to have us end on one more. And, uh, this is somebody, I think you, you probably know Bobby Hopper. He's a part of Ziegler mm-hmm. family. Uh, and he has an incredible story of his, he was, uh, I think a pro pro football player. Is that right? Do I have that right? I believe, I think he was some professional sports background then a businessman and, and now works a lot with uh Ziegler family. He simply said he sells on service and relationship. Uh, but I want, you know, we, you know, that's one of the things service. Everybody says that we have the best service. We have integrity. Those are kind of yawner statements, I think, but relationship is what it pulled out with because in today's day and age, when we talk about story and image and we want to buy things that we want to associate with, it is really difficult, uh, to have more value than relationship you build with your clientele. For most of us with small businesses, premium products, that is where social media comes in and whether it's, you know, Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or a newsletter letter, uh, or the bigger one, I think these days is right here, a podcast. It is the place where you can broadcast one of my favorite examples. And, uh, this is even before podcasting. Most people know Dave Ramsey, mm-hmm. uh, with finance that guy has been broadcasting for, I think about two decades now. Every day you can find Dave saying very similar things as he has since the dawn of time, uh, you know, new methodologies and stuff, but I mean, it's the same stuff and he builds relationship. People know him, you love him, you hate him, whatever, but you know who he is and you trust him and he has done what he's done and he has made a dent in the economy, in America's debt and the way he's given us a paradigm shift is how, how we look at that. And he's done it by a day to day building a relationship out of truly caring for people out of having a good product. And so if I think for all of us to look at ways that we can do that, I think that's why we're seeing the podcast arena just skyrocket uh, with not only people coming in and using the, the platform to build relationship with people, but also that's why advertisers want in because they want, they want people who have a relationship with their audience to talk about their products with a personal endorsement, a personal experience. That's why almost all of our advertisers, if possible, they're going to, they send me their products. They have me experience it. They get on the phone with me and make sure I understand it. Uh, and I don't even talk to them unless we've said, okay, yeah, that is one that we would be okay with, uh, having on the show. And so that trust and that relationship, again, it's one of those where we are so I'm, I'm so prone to say, no, my product is great. Look at it. This is what it does. And without relationship, I'm, I'm, uh, blowing smoke. It is. This is probably, in my opinion, the most important part of selling is relationships. Uh, my friend, Bob Berg, I've spoken with him many mm-hmm. times on different stages. He wrote a great book called the go giver. And in it, he says, people do business with those they know, like, and trust. Mm. And think about that. Whatever purchase you've made, you have options. You're a real estate agent. There's probably 20 Mm -hmm. others behind that person. But you chose that one because you liked them. You trust them. You knew their story. That's, you know, I say it all the time when I'm teaching the Bookbound Seminar is, you know, I give that quote, people do business with those they know, like, and trust. But then I say, and there is no greater way for someone to get to know, like, and trust you than by knowing your story. Mm -hmm. 
and it just all ties together. But it's that that is what creates relationships when we share more of why we do what we do. Not so much the what we do, but the why behind it is is how we build that relationship and how we build that trust because they see, wow, you know, I get now their mission. Mm-hmm. I get the movement they're trying to create here. Um, and I want to be a, a part of that because I now trust this person because they just shared it with me. It's powerful. It is so, so, so powerful. Um, it, it is. And I'll, I'll take that to go to the, you know, we all know the power of websites, no matter what kind of business, most people are going to go to a website. They want to see what you do. And they, in, in some, in some degree to some, a great degree, I think they want to be sold on mm-hmm. your product or service before they ever contact you. And we have to give them the ability to do that. But I, I'm going to go just to the power that I think we've all heard, but I don't know that we conceptualize enough of the about page. Uh, mm-hmm. We know there's stats on there. I didn't go get them before this conversation, but you can go get stats on how the, the percentage of times the about page is clicked on, on any given website, especially depending on what kind of product it is. And when you have a new product, when you have a premium product, they want to know the story about, again, we're not talking about toilet paper. I don't need to know the story there. Uh, but, uh, but the about page, I, I live on about pages. I really do. Whether it's somebody who wants to be interviewed, whether it's a company that wants to advertise, I want to find out about them, whether it's something I'm going to buy, I am going to the about page. I, when I go to, uh, when I do an Airbnb, uh, which I do for my family and we're going to be doing, uh, my wife and I in Mexico here shortly, I go to find out about that person, anything that I can find. If I can't find information about the person, I'll usually just pass and go on to somebody where I can find something about them. Uh, specifically, I spend a lot of time hunting people on Facebook to see what I can find there. If I can't there, I'm over at LinkedIn or I'm at wherever I can find it. And again, if I can't find information on them, I'll back out. So here's the thing. Here's my pet peeve on about pages for businesses. When they tell just the story of the business and never tell me the people behind it, I'll usually just pass Mm -hmm. on. I want to know where did the idea come from? Who founded it? Who's behind Mm -hmm. it? Who's running it today? And if I can't find it, I just, by proxy, I kind of don't trust it. Uh, I want the personal story. So, so, so huge. And, and so I think we just circle back from where we started, you know, you do have to share that story. You have to have, you know, you also have to have passion for what you're selling, right? That, that is, if it's a transference of feeling, people know if you believe in it or not. So, um, but, but then the story behind why you do what you do, we never underestimate it. It's, it's everything. Yeah. I mean, look at, look at, yeah. Look at the big companies. We know Facebook, who runs Facebook, Mm -hmm. who doesn't know Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Amazon, who doesn't know Jeff Bezos, uh, I mean, go down the line, Bill Gates with Microsoft and, uh, Michael Dell with the, I mean, we know these cause we, they, the story matters are so few. I'm trying to think on the fly here. If it inspires us too. It does. You know, sort it, of Apple and how that all, you yeah. know, when, when you hear about these things, it starts so simply and grow into this huge thing. It's, it inspires us, but it also makes us trust them because, oh wow, they're just like us. And yet they created something great. You know, it's interesting to think about. It's kind of the, the chicken or the egg type of question. Do we know all these people's name, these big founders and personalities of these companies uh, because their companies are great or did the companies mm-hmm. become great because we know their stories? I think most, I mean, mm-hmm. Sam Walmart, Sam Walton, I knew, I mean, we've all known his story. A lot mm-hmm. of us read his books and, and stuff. But if we think about that, that it has to be about us. And I know a lot of people who out of, you know, humility or, or a, difficult, you know, self image issues. They don't want to put themselves out there. And I understand it. We don't all, there, and there's a lot of narcissism within this arena as well that we have to deal with, but either way, I think it's really hard 
to get away with not being a personality amongst our product or service or at the worst, not that I shouldn't say at the worst case, if not that, if there's some reason where you don't want to put a personality with it, that's why we have endorsements. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, and you said, which comes first, the chicken, you know, mm -hmm. chicken or the egg kind of thing. What I think is the relationship starts because Mm -hmm. think of businesses that get investors, you know, Mm -hmm. long before the business has even been created, they have to go out and sell this concept Mm -hmm. to other people, sell themselves as the person to, to run it. And that, that starts with your story. So even before the business. So I don't know. Yeah. But then again, you're talking to the lady who helps people get their story out of their head on paper. So I'm always going to say it starts with the story. <laughs> well, hey, it does. So I'm the guy that you're talking about right there. We've been gathering investment money. And mm-hmm. uh, it's and I just want to say, look, the product is brilliant. Come on, give us money. And no, we got to go tell them the story. We got to go do all this stuff. And we have. And that's how we've gotten investor money. So, ah, uh, yeah, great topic. I knew it would be fun to do with you, Michelle. Oh, thank you, Kevin. I love doing it with you as well. Well, folks, I hope you got some good counsel out of that. I love seeing the thread. Thank you all to everybody who submitted uh, on this. And it's, uh, again, the power of seeing you guys bring the the gold out of these topics is uh, is priceless. All right. Well, I'm inspired. Let's go sell, Michelle. That's right. As Zig would say, go sell somebody something. Go sell somebody something of value. All right. Well, friends, I hope you got value for your business or brewing idea from this message. If you did, will you let us know by posting a review in iTunes? It's great when you mention a specific show like this. And hit the subscribe button if you would. Coming up next in show 585, we're back with Larry North, our guest from show 583, where we talk through his story and why and how he made up his own rules. This is our habit show, and we go behind the scenes with Larry into his personal habits for success following the seven spokes in the Ziegler Wheel of Life. Being a celebrity name in health, wellness, and fitness, you'll be interested to hear him say that even with all his health clubs, good nutrition uh, is what accounts for 90% of the successful results. That's something that happens outside of those health clubs. And how he's also proud to not be busy, which is just an interesting perspective from a guy like this. So till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.